So I want to read something. Um, the, uh, just to, this is just for fun. You'll, you'll, it'll make sense as we go along. But I just want to read something that I came across uh, this week. I was just reading some uh, N.T. Wright commentary, and he just brought this up. And uh, so I can't take credit for finding it, but, uh, but I did a bit of research to bring it together. So um, as it, it, this is what it reads. I, I see no hope. Here, this is going to sound weird, but it'll, it'll make sense in a minute. I see no hope for the future of our people if we're dependent on the frivolous youth of today. For certainly all youth are reckless beyond words. When I was young, we were taught to be discreet and respectful of elders. But the present youth are exceedingly disrespectful and unrestrained. They love luxury. They show disrespect for their elders. They love chatter in place of exercise. They're tyrants, not servants of the household. They no longer rise when their elders enter the room. They contradict their parents. They chatter before a company, gobble up dainties at the table. They cross their legs, and they tyrannize their teachers. All their mistakes are in the direction of doing things excessively and passionately. They disobey the wisdom of their elders by overdoing everything. They love too much, they hate too much, and the same thing with everything else. They think they know everything and are always quite sure about it. This, in fact, is why they overdo everything. <laughs> so, why did I read that? Well, it's going to make sense in a minute. Um, but I'm just curious, where do you think that came from? You don't have to say it out loud today, but I'm curious where you think that that might have come from. No, it's not my memoirs on youth ministry. It's not that. And uh, no, it's not something I found in the Brockville Recorder and Times this week, an editorial on the youth today. It's actually from over 2,000 years ago. Would you be surprised to hear that? These are words from people in ancient Greece, (laughs) actually. Some of it is like a collection of like a summary of what they said. Some of it's from words from Aristotle and other from Hesiod talking about the youth today. And uh, I bring that up, not at all because I agree with it. (laughs) I've had, I'm sure, similar words spoken of me when I was young. But I bring it up because I think it kind of points out something. You know, some things never change, for one, in terms of, you know, we're pretty good at pointing out that there's a problem in a a given situation. Pretty good at, at pointing the finger, you know. But we're kind of bad at maybe seeing our own part in things, you know, and this is bringing out that, sure, if we think about humans, right, we can see that there's problems. We can see that there's a, maybe even a deep problem. Um, but the important thing is knowing that that's a, that's a large problem that we're all maybe a part of in our own way at times. And, and Paul, the reason I bring that up is because Paul talks about this in Ephesians. He talks about it in Ephesians 4. He actually talks about it in other places, too. But he calls that kind of the old way, the old way of being human. And he brings up a new way, a new way that's available to all of us in Christ. So we're going to look at what he says there. We're going to look at kind of how he describes both. And then he gets into some really nice details for us on what it looks like in practice. So we're going to look at that and we're going to get really practical by the end on how we can do our part to make that, that transition So let's start reading together. Um, We're going to read Ephesians 4, verses 17 to 24 uh, to start out. And um, actually, we're just going to read up to 20 to start out. So let's read that together. With the Lord's authority, I say this. Live no longer as the Gentiles do, for they are hopelessly confused. Their minds are full of darkness. 
They wander far from the life God gives because they have closed their minds and hardened their hearts against him. They have no sense of shame. They live for lustful pleasure and eagerly practice every kind of impurity. But that isn't what you learned about Christ. So there you kind of see the similarities between what I read earlier, but this time it's true. This time what Paul is saying is really hitting on to something in an accurate way. And I think it's helpful to notice there, he's saying Gentiles, but that stands for the nations. I think the best way of understanding this, and I've struggled with trying to best understand what Paul says here, and in Romans he says something similar, but there Gentiles stands for, I think, the nations outside of Christ. Uh, because he has similar, he has other things he, was, he says about his own Jewish people, and these aren't Gentiles that are already believers. This is kind of outside of Christ. And I'd love to go into details with it, but for the sake of time, I'm just going to keep it brief on this part. But if you do have any questions on any of this, I'd love to chat, even afterwards, by the way. Come up to me. I'm going to be outside for coffee and that. Please feel free to ask any specific questions. Um, But in a nutshell, he's kind of talking about how humanity as a whole, right? So it's about humanity as a whole here, not any one particular culture or group that he's come into contact with. It's not about just some individuals he's seen. It's humanity as a whole outside of Christ. We've kind of shut ourselves off from God. We've shut ourselves off there completely, so to speak. We shut our minds off, our hearts, closed ourselves off. And so that's what, what's happened there. We've kind of closed ourselves off from the truth, as it brings up here. We've closed ourselves off from reality, so to speak, what's really good for us. And so our actions and all that have have followed suit. Um, There's a quote from N.T. Wright. He says, uh, we can go to to that slide here. So evil is what you get when the mind is twisted out of shape and the body goes along for the ride. That's kind of what has happened by us as a whole, just kind of saying, no thanks, God, we're going to do this on our own and just shutting ourselves off. And uh, N.T. Wright brings up this great way of thinking about it where you think about humanity and even today we think about how this plays out and just how there's so many different ideas about what's good for us and what we should value. You go from one culture to the next and, and just think about across, you know, around the globe what people think about capitalism, say, or military power or, um, you know, our economic system here. You name it, Right. There's so many different thoughts about these things. In one place, it's valued. In another, it's despised. And also, the trouble is, Paul kind of zeroes in this a bit here, and especially in Romans, that it's even almost worse than that. Because when we get it right, when a, when a culture or a group of people get it right, that this thing's wrong, there's something that's wrong here, that there's another part of humanity that champions that, that says... That says, no, actually, that's great, you know. So we kind of, we're in this delusion where we kind of deceive ourselves as a whole. We don't have a light for us that's guiding the way. That's the old way. That's the old way of being human, Paul says there. So let's, let's keep reading. He says, that isn't what you learned about Christ. Since you have heard about Jesus and have learned the truth that comes from him, Throw off your old man or human. The word there is anthropos. It means man, but it could stand for human as well. And your former way of life, which is corrupted by lust and deception. 
Instead, let the Spirit renew your thoughts and attitudes. Put on your new human, your new way of being human, created to be like God, truly righteous and holy. So there we get a really nice contrast of what's possible in Christ. And we get some real, this is a series on spiritual health, and we're really seeing the differences here between being unhealthy spiritually and healthy. And I, the way I kind of like to look at it is the way of Christ gets us back on track with truth. It gets us back on track with reality because it gets on track with God, the author of all things. You talk about what's real in this world, you go first and foremost to God. And it talks, I like how it says that it, the Spirit works in this by renewing our thoughts and our attitudes. The, the word there that it's picking up on, it's a good translation there, it's, it's noose. And that doesn't just stand for minds, as in some translations. It's, it means kind of our, what we, how we understand the world around us, how we make judgments, our, like with our will and our, our judge, how we're judging good and bad. So the Spirit is renewing that. It's giving us a complete overhaul in how we think and feel and act. And there's this opportunity to put on this whole new way of being human. And in a way that is created to be like God, that's pretty huge. In a way that's truly righteous, things are put to right is a good way of understanding that. Things are put to right between us and God, internally, between each other. And, and holy, created to be holy. So if we kind of think about spiritual health there, that's pretty, pretty awesome to think about, that spiritual health means getting back on track with reality, <laughs> coming out of that delusion, coming out of the way we've been deceiving ourselves, learning the truth, learning what's really good for us, and, and starting to really step into that, putting on that in our lives, that new way of being human. So now, now if we move on in the passage here, um, Paul has just given us a nice general picture, and he start to, he's going to start to go into some really good specifics for us, some specific ways that there's a contrast there between the old way and the new way. And I think this is a good way, a helpful way of looking at this, because I think the contrast happens kind of around the gifts that God has given us. Because the thing is, God being our loving heavenly father has given abilities to all humans. And the trouble is, and those things are good, but the trouble is we misuse them, right? In the old way, we misuse them. We, we use them for wrong or for harm. But in the new way, we learn how to properly use those abilities that God has given us. So I just wanted to kind of go through the, some of them anyways. We don't have time to go through all of them. But uh, he says... Stop telling lies. Let us tell our neighbors the truth, for we are all parts of the same body. I'll just stop there for a second. So there, that's pretty, pretty clear. You know, we've got this thing called the facts, called the truth. And you got, in order to lie, you kind of need to know the truth that you're lying about. So it's a misuse of the truth in a, in a way where, okay, I'm going to lie so that I can protect myself or lie so that I can get something. But he's saying, no, don't do that with the truth. Don't do that with the facts. Tell the truth. Get in the practice of telling the truth, letting the truth be known. And that's what's going to help the community. That's what's going, because we're all parts of the same body. So when you're lying, you're hurting the whole body here. And then it goes on. And don't sin by letting anger control you. Don't let the sun go down while you're still angry, for anger gives a foothold to the devil. 
there I kind of think of this as God's given us emotional, God's given us emotions. And they can be a good thing because they motivate us. So when something upsetting happens, we feel anger. We feel emotions that motivate us to do something. If we didn't feel those emotions, that'd be kind of weird, right? If, if you just, oh, I don't care that someone's doing something really bad right now to my kids or whatever, you know, that'd be kind of, that'd be strange. <laughs> so it's good. But now there's a translation, the NRSV says, be angry, but don't sin with it. You got to know how to use it <laughs> kind of thing. So don't give in to rage, for instance. Don't let it just go wild. Take some time. Um, don't, uh, and then also, don't let the sun go down on it. So resolve it in a healthy way while there's time. Don't stew in it. Don't go into bitterness. And I, there's a really helpful parallel there between what we talked about last week and, and this, right? Last week we talked about the importance of patience and forbearance, making allowance for each other's faults. If someone's done something to hurt me, Reacting with patience and forbearance gives space for the spirit to work toward reconciliation. Here we see the opposite can also be true. If we give in to just fly off the handle or if we stew on it and give in to bitterness, we're making space for the, de for the devil to work. So it's a sobering truth there. So just this idea of handling anger properly kind of thing, giving giving anger, um, handling it well. And I, I think back to, this is going to sound funny, but I think back to our honeymoon, actually, Randy and mine, our honeymoon. And I'll tell you, it's good when people share about, you know, they get vulnerable with you. I remember my, one of my teachers who I was close with sharing that he and his wife were already fighting, like basically by the time they left the church. But they're still married today. They're an extremely great couple, you know. And I thought, you know what, that's great to know because... We ended up fighting so much over our honeymoon. And I remember, like, some pictures that we took. There was this one uh, bike ride we went on, you know, and I took a picture afterward, and I can think back to that. Oh, yeah, that was pretty, pretty doozy because, like, I had this idea we were going to go on this big, long bike ride, and Randy did not have that idea. And so finally, at one point, we were riding up a hill, and I'm like, we've got to hurry because if we don't get there, we're going to have to pay for an extra hour. You've got to go here. So finally, she took the bike and just threw it into the woods. And uh, <laughs> so, so, so I had to grab it and walk both of them because I didn't want to pay extra. And uh, <laughs> so why do I bring that up? Well, the thing that we've learned is it's okay to express that. You can't let it, you can't bottle it up. The important thing is we're committed to resolving that stuff. You know, the important thing is we, are, we just open up and talk to each other. We realize sometimes we're going to have a fight. That's okay, but it's just we keep coming back together to resolve it, you know. And uh, so we're not giving the devil a foothold <laughs> there. So that's, that's uh, we'll, we'll move on here. We'll move on. Um, what does Paul say next? <laughs> if you're a thief, okay, here we go. If you're a thief, quit stealing. Instead, use your hands for good hard work. And then give generously to others. Don't use foul or abusive language. Let everything you say be good and helpful so that your words will be an encouragement to those who hear them. Here we've got a couple more abilities that God gives us. He gives us hands. He gives us work, uh, the ability to do work, to accumulate things. 
Some, the, the old way, it's all about me. It's all about what I can get from that. Even to the point of stealing, which is all about taking from others so that I can have more. And Paul says, look, use those abilities, that cunning, that strong work ethic, all of that that went into stealing. Use it instead for good here. Use those God-given abilities to help people so that you can give generously. And then as far as this other part goes, the foul or abusive language, God's given us this ability to speak, to speak to each other, to, and there's power in our words. That, whole, that saying, sticks and stones will break my bones, but words will never hurt me, it's not really true, right? If you've, been, if you've been the victim of foul or abusive language, you know that that's not true. That hurts almost more than the physical stuff. And Paul's saying, Paul's realizing that, and he says, no, use that for kindness and encouragement. Your words have power. The, the old way was that. The new way is using that for encouragement and to build each other up. And uh, then he goes on. This one I'm sure you've heard before. And do not bring sorrow to God's Holy Spirit by the way you live. Remember, he has identified you as his own, guaranteeing that you will be saved on the day of redemption. That's powerful to think of the Holy Spirit uh, and the sorrow there. It reminds me of a verse about Jesus where he's coming into Jerusalem and he's looking over it. And it says this, as he came closer to Jerusalem and saw the city ahead, he began to weep. How, he says this, how I wish today that you all, you all, sorry, you of all people would understand the way to peace. That's God's, that's God's heart for the world there. That's, we see it here with, with the Spirit, we see it for Jesus. When we're living by that old way, it, it, it grieves the Spirit, it grieves God. And he wants so badly for us to come into the way of truth, the way of light, the way of goodness. And the, the gift of the Spirit is there. That's God's one of the most precious gifts that we have. And we can misuse the Spirit. We can, we can grieve the Spirit. Or we can join with the Spirit in humility, recognizing the Spirit's place in our lives. And then a bit later on, he says how we can be filled with the Spirit, singing songs in the Spirit. That's the, the proper way of relating to that member of the Trinity. And then I won't read it anymore, but you can kind of go through the list yourself uh, through the week here. To summarize the next one, it talks about our response to conflict. You know, uh, it's kind of similar to the others, but there's a bit of a difference there. I see it as, as humans, we've got this ability to take a step back when something happens to decide what to do. We're, we're different from a lot of the animals in that way, right? Where they're just fight or flight. They just go by instinct. Except for some reason my dog Fred doesn't pick up on that. He just, if another dog's growling at him, he's just like, let's be friends for some reason. He just doesn't pick up on the social cues. But we're different from that. We can take a step back and decide what to do. And he's saying, use that ability to not go in for revenge and malice, which is the old way, but instead respond with kindness and forgiveness, reflecting on the idea that that's just, as, that's just what God has done for us. I've been forgiven so I can forgive others, and we're just following God's example. And then we get this beautiful summary statement of all of this, the heart of all of this in chapter 5. It says, 
Imitate God, therefore, in everything you do, because you are his dear children. Live a life filled with love, following the example of Christ. He loved us and offered himself as a sacrifice for us, a pleasing aroma to God. That's like the heart of all of this. It's all about imitating God. It's all about living a life filled with love, following the example of Christ. We talked about this a bit last week. And that really, in a nutshell, is all that we're, we're driving at here. That spiritual health is becoming like Christ and allowing the Spirit to shape us more and more to become like Christ. And uh, this kind of brings us into the really the practical part here that I want to finish off with. So it's similar to last week. Um, it's similar to last week because we talked about how when Paul tells us to imitate Christ, he's talking about in all aspects of Christ's life. I mentioned this last week, um, but I want to say it again because I find it really powerful for myself as well, that when Paul's saying this, it means in all of Christ's practices. Because we see in Jesus this, this modeling of prayer, this prioritizing of prayer, for instance, or this prioritizing of solitude even, time alone with God. Before Jesus does some of the big things in his ministry, he takes time alone with God. Before he chose the disciples, I remember being struck by this, before he chose the disciples, he took the whole night in prayer, for instance. He went by himself to a quiet place and spent the whole night in prayer. Prior to his public ministry, right, 40 days alone in the desert, in the wilderness, fasting and praying. So we are meant to follow Christ in all those, all of his practices. And so I thought, you know, let's just kind of go through that list and just, just briefly touch on some of the practices that we might put into place so that we can start to make that transition happen. Because we know it's not an automatic one, right? We know that we just don't wake up one morning and get over those habits <laughs> that we once had. It takes time. It takes our participation. I came across a really good quote this week from Oswald Chambers that I think just fits this so well in this, these passages. He says, if we have experienced regeneration, in other words, if we've experienced that I'm born again, Christ is in me, the Spirit is in me, I've, that excitement of being a child of God, we must not only talk about the experience, we must exercise it and work out what God has worked in. I love that line. God's worked something into our lives that now we must partner with God and working that out, working out what God has worked in. We have to show it in our fingertips. We saw that where Paul says, use your hands, right? We, we show it in our tongue. Paul is saying this all, the way we're using our tongue needs to change. And in our bodily contact with other people. And as we obey God, we find that we have a wealth of power on the inside. That's the new thing here. As we engage in the life of Jesus and imitate Jesus, we find there's a power there to do it, to actually do it. <laughs> and the question of forming habits then on the basis of the grace of God is a very vital one. It's central to all of this. The question of forming habits, forming new habits. We could think of that list that we just went through as new habits for all of us and as a community. So we think of truth-telling. We're to be a community that has the habit of truth-telling and as individuals that we tell the truth. And uh, so 
I think about, um, it's funny how you kind of like, as you're a kid, you kind of have that. It's like we grow out of it a bit. Dorian, for instance, is so truth-telling. He just, if he doesn't like something, it's all, you got you to say, okay, don't say that so loud. You know, if he doesn't like the way someone looks or something like that, he's like, daddy, daddy. You know, it's, <laughs> let's just hold off. You know, but, but it's cute too. It's also in if he did something wrong that day at school, he comes right away to tell me. You know, and it's like we grow out of that or something, and we start to hide. Maybe we were at the men's uh, workshop that, that the, uh, I was at yesterday. It talked about that in the Garden of Eden. We, when we first were separated from God, what did Adam and Eve do? They hid. They hid from God. It's like we've been doing that ever since, so to speak. But we got to break that. we got to get into a habit of truth-telling. And here I think of the practice of confession. Confession. Confessing our sins to God, and, and also finding someone that we trust, uh, whether it's your spouse, whether it's a good friend, someone that, that, an accountability partner, someone that you know that, okay, I need to confess to this person as well, so that I'm getting in the habit of telling the truth instead of hiding it away. Um, or when we think of anger here, and a healthy use of anger, there, Paul is quoting a psalm when he says, um, when he says, don't let the sun go down in your anger, and in your anger, don't sin. And there it goes on and says, instead, ponder it on your beds and be silent. That's what it says in Psalm 4.4. And that, to me, is such good advice. That's what I've found to be so key. If I'm in a situation where I'm just really angry <laughs> at it, the best thing for me to do is get alone with God. I start out by venting a little bit, but then just getting silent. Just getting silent, maybe kind of taking a piece of scripture and just kind of repeating that to kind of calm my mind down, but then just having a time of silence so I can just kind of calm down and let the Spirit speak, let the Spirit work, knowing that the Spirit is working in all that. It really helps to process through that anger in a right way, and you never know what God's going to say, right, for ways of resolving it. Um, okay, hard work toward generosity. That's another one. I think of service, the practice of service. And at first, for some of us, that's not a discipline. For some of us, service comes naturally, and we just want to do it. We just want to serve others. For others of us, it doesn't come so naturally, and that's okay. That's what I love about Common Ground Loaves and Fishes. That's what I love about what, what John's working on now to give us opportunities. That's what I love about Healthy Essentials. All these things are opportunities for us to practice serving others to putting our hands to good use, <laughs> to be generous toward others. And, and we want to get that to a place where it becomes a habit, where it becomes part of the ordinary course of our lives. Um, encouraging and helpful words. Okay, there's that part about not gossiping, not using our language to hurt others, but instead encouraging others. And here I've found uh, group prayer to actually be really important in this regard. The, the, the practice, the discipline of getting together with other Christians to pray. I've really appreciated that with our Tuesday morning prayer group. It's like this time when we're just praying and you're hearing the love that's coming from everyone. It's, it's really hard to then think, okay, I want to go away and spread gossip or I want to go away and use my language for bad, when I've just been part of this situation where we've been using our language to build up each other and to love each other, it just really helps to counteract the old habits and, and bring in new ones. And that 
that last part there, I'll leave off with that one, the, the part about grieving the Spirit. And instead, Paul asks us to have humility, to, to recognize that the Spirit has done so much for us. And, and so we should be praying to be filled with the Spirit. And again, I go back to silence and prayer for that, the practice of silence and prayer. That, that psalm, be still and know that I am God. I've been, I've been told that that's some of the greatest advice that's ever been written for us, just to take time to be still and just be still before God in, in silence and prayer and reminding ourselves that God is God and that we're not and that God wants to fill us with his spirit. And the change will happen then. That's how I think we can move. That's following Jesus in moving from that old way, that old way of being human, into this beautiful new way of being human that's modeled after Christ, modeled after God's own heart and God's own character and God's desires for us. So I'm going to invite the, the worship team up, and, and we're going to leave off on, on that. And uh, I like what Fraser said last week when, we're, when reflecting on all of this, because it can seem a bit overwhelming if you kind of go through these lists and you think, oh man, I've got a lot of work to do here. But it's like just that, you know, praying and asking God for this week, you know, or this month, which one do you want to focus on here, you know? And then committing to a practice, praying and talking to others, talk to a friend about it, and committing to a practice for a week or for the month so that you can start putting it in place and just kind of getting in that habit of just always coming to God with what, what are we working on next, Lord, and, and remembering that that power is available always from the Spirit. Um, so let's, let's just end off in prayer before we take some time to worship God again together and give thanks, just doing what Paul has told us to do. So let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, just, uh, just thank you for Scripture. I just, when we go through it like this, I'm just so grateful for the gift of Scripture and uh, for this, this book of Ephesians where we're learning about spiritual health. We thank you that you just love us so much that you've done everything that we can imagine here to set us on a new footing, to give us the opportunity to have a whole new way of life, whole new way of being human, as Paul says. And I just pray for each of us, myself included, that today you would, you would steer us and guide us, put into our hearts and minds just one thing that we can do this week, uh, one practice that we can maybe move into, whether it's silence and prayer, whether it's joining up with a group to serve regularly, whatever it is, just put that and make that nice and clear for us so that we can start to form new habits, so that we can start to make that transition into the way of Christ, into that new way. And thank you that you're patient with us, that you love us. This isn't about earning our salvation. We already know that salvation is ours. We're just working out now what you've given us, and you are extremely patient, thank goodness, with each of us. And so we just trust in you with all of that. So it's in your name, Jesus, that we pray these things.